Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the Football Grad Podcast. I'm your host Manu Weff and we have a bunch of topics to catch up on. Um, I've been on the road a little bit so we didn't have time to record one last week. So yeah, this week we're going to discuss the Russian Cup. Um, yes, there is actually a Russian Cup match during this international break. So we have to ta- chat about this. We have to chat about the last two match days in the Russian Premier League. And of course the big scandal involving Kokorin and Mamayev. Furthermore, the title race, we did do have a little bit of a title race and Russia's upcoming national team games against Sweden and Turkey. And discussing this with me, as always, in a bit of a weird setup is Andrew Flynn. Andrew, um, you were saying you're driving, eating McDonald's and doing this podcast all at once. Um, I think you need to have a little bit of an explanation on this one. <laughs> well, yes, I'm actually just doing a three-point turn in the middle of the road because the police are shepherding people in a very odd way from my usual parking space at the Geolog. Um, but, yep, I'm here on Football Grad Duty. Cannot wait to actually get into the stadium and, and watch us beat yet another Premier League side in the Russian Cup because, of course, as everybody knows, for well, two men have a great history of giant killing. So, a bit more today. Well, we'll see about that, and of course we'll discuss that, um, and helping us to discuss this is Tim. Tim, how are you doing? Good morning, good morning, man. I'm happy to, he- to be here. There's quite a few uh, topics of uh, quite a different uh, taste and different um, descriptions, but uh, yeah, I'm very excited to be here, and uh, excited to hear Andrew's opinion on upcoming to main match against uh, CSKA Moscow. Yeah, absolutely, that's the match of the day. I mean, it was even on the kicker has like a a match of the week kind of schedule for for the non big leagues, you know, outside of Spain, Germany, uh, Italy, and England. They have like the section for the big international matches, and um, I was very excited to send Andrew that picture yesterday because his game was on there. It made the kicker match of the week list. Now we of of course we have to add it's an international break. There's not that much club football going on, but it was alongside the Rio de Janeiro derby between uh, Botafogo and Vasco da Gama. So Andrew, your side human made the match of the week list on kicker. How excited are you about that? Well, I, I was disappointed to see some of the, um, the poor sides that were keeping us company, but it is, <laughs> of course it's, um, a completely, uh, completely logical uh, selection. Um, 
yeah, it's, it's, it's good to get some recognition because, I mean, we all love cup football and we've spoken on Football Grand Network numerous times before. Um, and uh, at this game in particular, as we'll come into more detail, of course, but it's a genuinely exciting prospect because we've got a big name team, but there's a real chance of an upset with the, well, like you mentioned, it's the international break. So uh, I'm looking forward immensely to seeing how an already young side uh, with CSKA, who are having to rely on even more of their younger and more inexperienced players, how they manage to cope with the battle-hardened Fennel stalwarts that, that are two men. So uh, I'll certainly be doing some live updates in the, the next few moments <laughs> on, on my social media. So, But in the meantime, uh, I hope you guys are as excited as I am. Yeah, I, I can't. I mean, I had to extra rush back from, um, I'm technically on holiday at the moment in Paris. So I had to extra rush back to, to give you, uh, give our listeners an exclusive on this amazing match that's taking place in Tuman. Um, Tim, I mean, it's, it is a bit of an extraordinary thing that we have a cup match at this, this time. Um, but at, at the same time for a small side like Tuman, that, this is, this is big news, isn't it? Yeah, of course. Every time when the big club comes to a FNL side, it's, a, it's a big match. I'm actually curious to hear from Andrew how, how he expects their capacity to be because we made a numerous jokes about the classic. Uh, some, somewhere about around 1800 capacity at Geolog. Uh, but in terms of just a pure football, CSKA, they, they sent all their best players to the national teams, um, to the youth teams, and really the squad which is traveling to Tumane is full of absolutely unexperienced players. And I think Tumane has a very, very good side. And, um, yeah, I'm just really curious to see, uh, how the, all those youngsters, youngsters will perform, but at the same time, uh, Jimane has a chance more than ever against this unexperienced Scott side. So, Andrew, how do what do you think about the upcoming capacity? Well, it's it's a it's a very hard one to call actually. And in my preview for footballgrab.com, it was a lot of people would have laughed at my prediction. I went for uh, I actually went for a draw, and Jimane possibly possibly to win. Uh, on penalties, and it, the, the the problem is, it's 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 hard to know what the Cheska's uh, team is going to be. They've got a lot of players who have not even played for the first team at all, um, and the the atmosphere is going to be interesting because the Geolog, as we all know, always has exactly one thousand eight hundred people, um, and certainly no more than that. But tonight, I'm expecting somewhere between eight and ten thousand people. It won't be a sellout completely. Um, but uh, also equally excitingly for me personally, it's also my both my daughter's first ever Tumen game, so I'm hoping they will catch the fever of the atmosphere tonight, um, and also that that atmosphere will will make the scar crumble under the pressure. It will be something they, they've had before. They were here early in the season when they played against Yenisei Krasniask, so they have seen the surface. Um, and a surface is an artificial one. It's not the best in even amongst artificial surfaces, but it's it, it is it is going to be a challenge. And it, it's I have to say I think I think the this is a very important match, not just because of the Russian Cup, but because of giving the fans a taste of what Tumen could be in the future. Promotion is the ultimate game, of course. Um, and if we can get eight, nine, ten thousand people in the stadium, see at the very least a spirited performance, hopefully a win against a recognizable name, 
then in the long term, it could actually be very important for the for the health of the club. Andrew, I was actually this this, this kind of ties in with the question that Tim just asked you, but talk us through this. So it's match day in Tumen. The it's it's a it's a Siberian town. It's not a small town. It's a relatively big sized city, um, but it's. It's not exactly a, a city with a big football history. What is it like to be in a place like that when a big team like CSKA Moscow come to the city? Is there posters around the city? What do people talk about the upcoming match? Um, just curious, what is it like? You'd expect that it would be like a bit of a carnival. It'd be a festival. There'd be noise. There'd be um, you know radio interviews, TV segments, and posters everywhere. And I want to be as biased as possible, and you guys know that I am occasionally prone to a slight bit of bias, um, mm -hmm. but the truth is, it's actually, you, you wouldn't notice. Um, Tumen has much more sporting history with their hockey team, Rubin Tumen. They were, they were champions of the uh, Visha Hockey League, yeah. so effectively the second tier of, of Russian hockey uh, about seven or eight years ago. Um, Their mini football team are very successful. They're always at the top end of the Russian Super League, which is one of the strongest leagues in futsal in Europe. Um, and the, of course, the uh, biathlon. There's one of the best biathlon venues in the world, just 30 kilometers down the road. So football, 11 aside football, plays, well, third or even fourth fiddle. Um, there just isn't the promotion. To give you a little taste of this, this is a second-tier club who only two decades ago were in the top flight. The press attaché, the press manager of Schumann is actually just one of the local photographers. Um, and he works for Match TV occasionally in Yekaterinburg. And, you know, there he is. He's the press attaché of a second-tier club in a city of 800, 900,000 people. And there he was picking up cables in the press zone in the Centralny Stadium in Yekaterinburg, he doesn't have the time or the resources uh, to actually do any sort of marketing, uh, any form of getting people into the stadium, drumming up, drumming up um, interest. It, he just doesn't have the resources to hand. Um, I know that the club have a, a zero budget for marketing for the last four years. Um, I went into the office to get my season ticket four years ago and the then press attaché Anton said look these are the plans I've got the club give me absolutely no money uh, and that's just the reality of life at this stage so unfortunately I would love to lie and say it's Russian Cup fever but that would be stretching the truth even for me <laughs> it's it's kind of curious isn't it that I mean you just mentioned it as a city of 800 900,000 people um Tim, that's pretty much the population of downtown Vancouver. <laughs> I mean, just just to put that into perspective, it's a decent-sized city. Um, any city, I mean, I'm trying to find a comparison. Dortmund is smaller than Tumen. Um, and I just went to Dortmund, and, um, you know, we all know what the Westfalenstadion is like on a match day, right? So um, just to put it into perspective, this is this is a relatively big city. Um, with it is, you know, in UK terms it would be the fourth largest city in the UK, just for metropolitan area. Um, that, that's how big it is. Well, there are, I think, something like 20 cities in Russia that are actually bigger than Tumen, but compared to most other countries, it, it is a big place. 
It's fascinating too because you mentioned that we often talk about how football clubs outside the big cities in Russia struggle, right? We talk about, I mean, Moscow, of course, the clubs there do really well. St. Petersburg, Zenit have a marketing machine that's unrivaled. And Krasnodar, of course, we've talked many, many times about them. But uh, Tim, in the past, we've, we've talked about Novosibirsk. This is a city of almost two million people, right? And they, they struggle to get a club going really in those kind of terms. Yekaterinburg is another city, city, a size of Munich that also struggles to get club football going. It's really interesting how we have so many big metropolitan areas. But if you're basically not a club from one of those big cities, you really struggle, don't you, Tim? Yeah, and that just has not to do with just uh, the um, you know the money side of things. It's just also the organization of football and kind of the history of sport uh, in the country. And um, yeah, like it's on my hometown. It's kind of sad to see uh, the one of the biggest uh, towns uh, in Russia, and um, you know, not getting a pro- proper uh, football team. Yes, of course, there's a FNL team, but uh, the size of the city dictates that we. Uh, uh, we can have a team in, in the Russian Premier League and play in there consistently. Uh, but unfortunately, yeah, the same example with a couple of other cities. And, uh, you know, even cities which, like, we touched numerous times with, um, with uh, World Cup stadiums. Kaliningrad is a big city, but they haven't had a team in the Premier League for 20 years, I would say. Um, Sochi is the same. It's it's uh, maybe not the size of the city, but the status of the city. The is the the place where people go on holidays, and they have the the World Cup stadium. But again, Zemchuzhna, uh, Sochi, or any other Sochi representatives haven't been in uh, Russian Premier League again for twenty over twenty years now. Uh, so it's 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 again it kind of doesn't have only to do with just the football side of things. It all has to do with the local economy and also with um, just the the organization of sport as as a way of uh, entertainment. So Andrew, then do you think a game like today, if let's say Tumen do win, um, this is hypotheticals, of course. And we by the time this podcast will out, the result will be of course already um, set in stone. But let's say they do win. Do you think this could can cause a little bit of an impetus to to get something going? You know, we the nearest thing I have to to gauge an answer for that question would be the Zenit match six years ago, which um, sort of like will need reminding was of course a two men win two nil, um, and that really was that was huge the event itself, but the aftermath of it was basically no change at all. And, you know, we were in the third tier of Russian football then, so it's a huge difference. And also, it wasn't in an international break, and the likes of Axel Witzel, Anukov, they were all playing, so it wasn't, it wasn't a weakened side that we'll see from Ceska tonight. Um, if I'm being brutally honest, I don't actually think it will change a great deal. It should do, and that's the main point. It should do, but it probably won't. There's... A, I just I get downcast sometimes when I think of this because this is the this is the league that we all love and it's not the highest quality every game but there is a lot of interest in it there's a lot of quality players that do come through projects like CSK Moscow that just wouldn't happen in the English Premier League there's far too much pressure no. um, so you know when you've got an opportunity like this it is a smaller team much as I loved you, man, and I do think it is the greatest club in the world, um, it isn't the biggest <laughs> club. And, <laughs> you know, the opportunity to beat CSK Moscow 
should be an absolute huge springboard. It should be the sort of thing that draws in loads more fans, do a deal where you, if you've got a ticket for this game, you get three entries to the next two or three games, something simple like that. Yeah. It doesn't need to be complicated, but mm-hmm. I, I know it won't happen. And, and that's the sad part. That's the really sad part. Um, well, yeah, like you say, by the time this podcast comes out, it will be wildly one way or the other. Mm. We'll have a better idea um, of what effect it could have. But, yeah, it's uh, the sad answer is the change will not really be very big, if at all. I, I hear kids' voices in the background. What's the, what's the crowd like right now? Do you see people with like, the children going to the game? <laughs> well, it's uh, inside the stadium itself. There's very few fans are in the seats, but then yeah. they very rarely are yeah. at any stadium in Russia. We know um, quite a lot of fans are milling around outside. And, you know, normally when you go to a game, it's you meant only the main stand is open. So three quarters of the ground is, is deserted because there just isn't enough. Uh, there's, there's no need for because um, there aren't enough people who come. But today, security gates are set up for all the stands, which are never used before. They, they, the security gates are there for years sometimes without being used at the other end of the stadium. So so right now, we're just, we're just about to go through the gates. And I mean, a little straw poll tells me, just as we expected, that um, the, the support for CSK Moscow will make this not exactly a home game, but It'll, it'll be a comfortable game for them, I should say. Um, so, yeah, just yet. Something's trying to tell me I've got to open my bag as if I've never been to a football game in my life before. But anyway, um, yeah, it's, it's a very family atmosphere so far as how I've described it. Uh, certainly not intense yet, but uh, this is Siberia. It's not Sparta, but it's it's near enough. And, and, and <laughs> is it cold? Is it already cold? I mean, like, October can be chilly already. How is it? What is that like? Ah, it's it's all right actually. It's it's not too it's not too cold really. I've just got a shirt, jumper, open jacket. It's pretty pretty pleasant evening actually, to be fair. Um, but yeah, it's uh, this family atmosphere needs to needs to improve. If I'm honest, come match time because. Uh, yeah, at the moment this won't really threaten the youngsters of Tesco. I can hear someone play a trumpet in the background. Sounds like uh, yeah, sounds, uh, sounds kind of a lesson. <laughs> these these are these are the mascots. Um, <laughs> one of my daughter's friends is actually one of the match mascots today. Um, so they're all um, crowding around, looking very excited. Um, right here we go, security gate. Lovely, lovely efficiency and helpfulness of the Russian security police. Um, I'm sure this is what the listeners want to be hearing, you know. <laughs> this is the cutting-edge stuff. What on? Okay. I've been spoken to like a kindergarten child. Like I say, um, it's, uh, it's impossible to, to actually make sense of any of these security guards. So... Uh, yeah, guys, if you, you, you carry on just for a minute while I get through. Okay? Yeah, we'll let you go through. We'll, we'll start our next topic. Um, chatting about Sadid. <laughs> this is this is all enticing stuff, Andrew. Um, we'll put you on mute for a couple of minutes until you um, safely through Russian security, right, Tim? <laughs> yeah. Good luck, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tim. Um, that's really enticing stuff. I mean, we don't get that often that we have someone going to a uh, Russian Cup game. 
life in Chuman in Siberia. It's a, a very different world, I think, that any of our listeners are really used to. Uh, having been to a few games, I know the security there can be a little weird or non-existent. Yeah. It either it's a completely really tight or really non-existent. But let's let's move this topic over to um to Sinit. Um Yes. Will we talk football or the scandal? Let's right away? talk about the football first because they lost nice. the match, right? And uh, that's that's maybe a little surprising. Because uh, two weeks ago, we have to, of course, catch up a little bit. Um, we had last week, um, we had off. But two weeks ago, um, they lost the match to Anshi Mahachkala. Um, they were a very team that we were... It's always the butt of our jokes, isn't it? The poor Anshi. Um, that that was pretty much unexpected, right? Their first defeat in the league. Uh, yeah, it, it is probably the last team we would have expected Zenit to lose a football game too, because Zenit is in a lot of trouble. They have don't don't ha- don't have enough money to travel. Uh, recently, there was or there was a done a very interesting video when uh, now journalist, but uh, before that football uh, uh, professional former football player player Evgeny Savin, he traveled with the youth team on the bus from Mahachkala to their away game, and it took them 20 hours to travel, and the bus broke down, and they arrived only 45 minutes before the game. So obviously you can understand after traveling for 20 hours in a bus, uh, being, you know, sitting in an uncomfortable position playing a football game. That's a youth team. But at the same time, uh, you know, the, the main entry team is, is not, not in a way, a way better situation. They also don't have enough money to travel. Uh, the players are not uh, getting paid. And obviously the atmosphere in the club is um, not the best, uh, not the best, as you can see, because there's really no future at this point. There's no promises uh, for the players to get paid. So obviously losing to Anjima Hachkala, uh, to Zenit, that, that, that's the last probably team we expected that they will Zenit will lose a game and you know Zenit being the most powerful and the most um, lucrative and the most financially st- uh, stable club in Russia losing to them to the, the poorest one uh, this season is obviously an, an unexpected surprise and uh, but again it shows that uh, anything could happen in Russian Premier League and that's why this league is so interesting um, this is the tightest league that was the tightest league um, out of all the big leagues in Europe last year. Um, because we had an incredible, uh, you know, competition for all the places in and for the relegation for everything. In the last match day, every almost every team had something to play for, and we can see this uh, happening this year with Anjima Hachkala as well. So they can win even against uh, the team which is leading the the the, the, the league. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, when you when you look at, I took a quick look at the standings. Um, Anshi are now thirteenth. Right, three wins. I mean, a few weeks ago when we talked about Anshi, we didn't expect them to get one win, at least, let alone three. And now they're 13th of 10 points. They're ahead of Arsenal, Tula, and Ufa. Um, Ufa, of course, a side that played in the, um, in the Europa League, uh, qualification, right? So, um, it is, it is fascinating how just a few results and, um, and you're back, back in it. Um, it's really interesting that way. The, Andrew, what did you make of that um, result between Senid and Anshi? Well, to be honest with you, Manny, I, I just couldn't believe it. Anji are stubborn. They have some very good players. And um, the, the South American lad up front, Ponce, who scored a very, very good goal, actually, to be fair, um, from a reasonably tight angle. Um, I don't know how much to read into it, because with Anji, the disaster is only ever a 
few minutes around the corner. Um, but also from Zanin's point of view, it was it was a frustration really for them, I think, because they are so far ahead, in my view, of almost, almost every team in the league to then lose to, like you mentioned, the, or like Tim mentioned, with the, to the team with the least resources is, is a bit of an embarrassment, to be honest. Mm. And it actually piled a lot of pressure on them before last weekend's game with Krasadar, because had they lost that game, they would have been off top spot suddenly within two weeks. Um, I don't expect they will dwell on it for too long. They, it's one of those things that can happen. You travel to a very different atmosphere, uh, very different opposition to a lot of the league, and these results can happen. But I think they have quality, they have a squad. Um, and with Juba on form, of course, the god that is Jubinho, anything can happen. Mm. I think I think Zanit will be annoyed, irritated more than anything else. But I, as for Angie, well, it does it does give them a bit of hope, doesn't it? Because you know they string two or three wins to ho- at home together, and they they should be able to control their own destiny now. So I, I don't know. I think um, if Angie survived the season and don't get relegated, that's uh, that's like winning the Champions League as far as they're concerned. <laughs> I know I want to stay on Sunit on topic. Um, Andrew, you saw them against Slavia Prague. They won that game 1-0. Um, their goal scorer was Alexander Kokorin. Very late for them. How did you see that match? And we will talk about Kokorin in a moment, just a little bit more. I'll get to that. <laughs> I, th- I think I think we probably will, won't we? Um, oh. Yes, the, the, the Slavia Prague game was a very odd one, actually, because Slavia are not... The, they're not the biggest club in the Czech Republic. They're up there. Um, they're joint top of their league, I think, before this game. Uh, but with very few notable names. And I, I actually thought this would be a very comfortable business-like performance for Zanin. They were outplayed for the vast majority of the game. Slavia had infinitely more shots on goal, more corners, more shots on target. Um, a lot of their shots were from long range, but at least three or four of them, Andrei Lunyov in goal, Seriously, had to be at full stretch to keep them out. And Zanis were looking for more and more bereft of ideas, more and more frustrated. And it took two moments of absolute top-class quality. Leandro Paredes, uh, pardon me, excuse my pronunciation, Paredes, his through ball, uh, it's a good 30, 40-yard ball, split the defence. And like Kokorin said afterwards, Leandro's ball, it laid it on a plate for him. Well, I think that was doing himself a little disservice because his finish across the goalkeeper was, was tidy, but he had to, he had to look up. He had to be aware where the space was and he finished it very well. And that's the quality that we know Kokorin has. Um, but other than that, that guilt edge chance which they took, Slavia were, they were able to control the game. They didn't look uncomfortable. They didn't look pressured. Um, it was a relatively limp performance, really, from Zanin. So to get a 1-0 win when they were pretty much outplayed on the home turf against a very stubborn, surprisingly surprisingly good outfit like Slavia Prague, that's a huge, huge three points for them in the context of the Europa League. It'll take pressure off the later game. So, um, yeah, it, was, it took me by surprise, that, but a huge relief for Zanin to get three points. Mm, and then, of course... Um, they followed this up. They, they faced Krasnodar. Krasnodar had a very good midweek game against Sevilla, a match that they won. That's, that's a big surprise, right? Um, 2-1 against Sevilla. So Krasnodar and Sinit, that was the top match last week 
in the Russian Premier League. Um, there's there, that match alone should warrant enough discussion. And um, Tim, top match of the league. We should probably have should probably just talk about that game, right? Um, just for a moment. But unfortunately, the game is overshadowed. Um, maybe just yeah. like, maybe I'll just quickly your thoughts about the game before we get into the soap opera kind of stuff that we don't really like to talk too much about. Yeah, exactly. That's not the <clears throat> the best topic, and it completely overshadowed the game. But the game was very important because the at this point Zenit and Krasnodar were the two leading side, um, and um, yeah, Zenit wasn't super impressive against uh, Sly Prague and, and uh, losing again against Anji. So um, Krasnodar is um, impressed against Sevilla and impressed in the first half of the season. So the, of course there was chances, but in the end of the day, uh, Zenit won 2-1 and um, fairly, I would say, convincing. And uh, pretty much um, they they thought they left uh, for the national team break in a, in a good spirit. But uh, what happened after really uh, put a big, first of all, overshadowed the the football which happened uh, on Kristovsky that night. Yeah, I mean, we should be all chatting about this top match. The, the, it was the exactly. biggest game of of that match day. Um, first against second, upcoming Krasnodar, a team that has looked very good in the beginning of the season. But um, unfortunately, we have to talk about Kokorin and Mamaev. And uh, Mamaev, Two years ago was an up-and-coming star. He's sort of been back on track. Um, remember Kokorin and Mamaev? They're very good friends. Uh, they, they went on a bender after the Russia got uh, kicked out of the Euro 2016. Um, I think they spent up to 250,000 euros at a nightclub in Monaco, if I remember this correctly. There was champagne, yeah, yeah. etc. So these, these boys have a history. Uh, in the infinite wisdom, they jumped on a train to Moscow uh, on a subsun. Went on a bender there all night, and what happened next is videos, and Alexei Yaroshevsky, our good friend over at RT, they, he really broke it down very well. It's on Twitter. We, you retweeted it, I believe, um, Tim. Um, he broke it down really well, and there's videos showing them beating up people on the street. So apparently they went on a bender in Moscow after this very important game. Then they just, just went to a strip club, and then um, they decided to randomly beat up people um now of course there, there is not that much randomness to the fighting that took place isn't there tim no and uh, the issue you know um well issue for them and uh, happened that they beat up some wrong people they beat up people with connections and uh pretty much what happened is they rented uh, the whole wagon in the subsan train and they started partying like crazy and uh, the people who were in the train described them uh, acting as animals they were drinking they were partying uh, in the um, in the subsan train you know which is probably not the best behavior but it's nothing really uh too much, like let's say illegal. But uh, once they arrived, they, they went to a strip club and continued partying. And at around seven o'clock, they left uh, the club and they um, um, were in the parking lot. And they came across a driver who was um, who was waiting in the car for for his uh, for now. Let's say it's a client. They started having an argument, and then what ended up happening? Five of them 
uh, Kakorin, Mamaev, and they were with a group of friends, uh, girls and uh, guys. I think there was five guys, and they started beating up the the driver. And really, they just really, really made a lot of injuries to the poor man. What ends up happening, uh, their issue, uh, their, their problem ended up being because potentially, you know, with their connections and with their un- unlimited amount of money, they had this sense of impunity, sorry, impunity that they can do anything and pretty much anything will be, will be, you know, fixed or bribed or they can do anything uh but uh, the the driver ended up being of um a driver of a very a fairly popular uh, tv host who was working in tv that morning she was hosting a tv show so obviously she she wasn't happy and she uh, defended her driver after they finished that fight uh, which was filmed on cameras mm-hmm. they went to breakfast uh, to have a breakfast in a coffee shop and um and at this coffee shop um they were looking for a chair because the the group was fairly big and there wasn't enough chairs they went to to get some chair from some guy and uh in a fairly aggressive manner they took a chair off his table he obviously didn't like it because it was very impolite and um according himself he took the chair and he threw at the man and again, everything was filmed on the cameras. <laughs> again, the biggest issue for them, again, what happened that this person ended up being a very fairly big politician in Russia. And obviously he, they didn't know who he was. Um, and they also um, assaulted him on uh, racial, uh, in, in like on, on the racial point. So it was very, very disgusting. And I'm disgusting even talking about it. But unfortunately we have to because everything, the whole media, not only just sports media, the whole media in the country were, was overtaken by, by their night out because it was all filmed. They really got in trouble with the wrong people. And those wrong people said, we're, we're not letting this go. This is, there's no, um, there's no, there's no money which can solve that. And we're taking this to court. And that became a very, very big topic. So unfortunately, that's what the, pretty much the country, the whole country was talking about yesterday because all media, non-sport media, this is the biggest topic. Now, one of the, um, I think that the, the driver, he is in hospital with um, yeah. a, a brain aneurysm, isn't he? I mean, it, it sounded really serious. The, the Yeah, it's like it's a serious concussion. I'm, I'm not, I don't know about the brain injuries, but like he, I don't know in terms of just medical terminology and especially in English, I might just not have the right terminology. But yeah, but the guy is, is like, a, there's a video of like a small interview with him. He is rough. He's beaten up. Like you just imagine five uh, young guys um, who are amateur or professional sportsmen beating you up. Well, yeah, it's 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 not pleasant. Now, Andrew, both players pretty quickly got their t- their contracts terminated. Kokorin, um, Zenit right right away. Krasnodar was a little bit of a wait because they had to find a way to co- uh, terminate the contract. But I think uh, both of them are repeat offenders, mm. right? No, but but the contracts are not terminated. That's the issue. The uh, the thing. The, the latest, the latest I saw was that I mean, Krasnodar. It's interesting the approach of both clubs because Krasnodar were very, very quick. Within about an hour or two of the news breaking, they were extremely explicit that they will have nothing more to do with Pavel Romanov and are looking to break his contract as quickly as they can. They weren't leaving any, any stone unturned. Zanitz made their statement about an hour or two later and were a little more ambiguous about it. They were saying it's not the time to talk about the punishment for the player yet, but the actions were abhorrent, which it was a little bit contradictory, I found, really, because if they're looking at his actions and they are calling him, which is 
just inescapable. You can't call them anything other than mm. abhorrent. Um, how they cannot then also use the strongest terms. I actually think what we'll see is that Zanit will have no choice whether they want to or not. Want natural, healthy-looking shine and voluminous curls and waves that make you look like you just stepped out of a salon? It's easy with Conair Jumbo and Super Jumbo Hot Rollers. These 12 ceramic flocked rollers heat up in just 85 seconds. And because they're infused with ceramic, they transfer heat evenly for big, bouncy, long-lasting curls. Twice the flocking of competitive products means more heat protection. Wire clips ensure a secure hold. Makes a great gift for yourself or someone special. Go to conair.com for jumbo and super jumbo hot rollers now. We can get anything delivered from furniture to toilet paper. And now, adult beverages with Drizzly. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits. Then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly's giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code EASY5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. They will have to follow whatever Krasadar's example is because Krasadar have made their statement first and it looks like they will take action probably more swiftly. Um, I agree with what you guys say, though. It's so... I just I feel let down. I, there's so many things I feel. I feel angry, mm. but I feel let down most of all, almost because you know these are two two young professionals who have had their troubles in the past, but they seem to be getting their heads down. Both getting over injuries, mm. both getting back some of their best form this season, if only for a few games at least, and and then they go and do this. Um, and you know what? You know what really strikes me is that. You know, it's not something new for footballers to get drunk and to behave aggressively. I'm not excusing it for one second. I'm quite the opposite. I think it's stupid. But it does happen sometimes. What really frustrates me about both of them is the lack of contrition that they've shown. Um, in the last, the last few minutes, the, there's a police officer leading the investigation who has said that they were called in to be interrogated and they didn't show up. And he's now set a deadline of tonight if they don't show up they'll be placed on the wanted list uh, for the, the Russian security services. I mean, this is this is just stupid. Mm. I mean, if they've made the mistake, you're not going to forgive them for what they've done, but you will at least say, well, you're following due process. If exactly. you go in, there's nothing they can escape. You know, they, they, it's all on video. There are plenty of witnesses, and the profile of the victims, and it is victims, that is the right word to use, because these are very violent attacks. Um None of they, I don't know how they think they can escape it. And these actions right now, today, Absolutely. are not worse than what they did, but they are compounding it in the most frustratingly stupid way. And I just, I, this, this must surely be the end for their careers in Russia, if not football altogether. Um, I know it sounds a dramatic thing to say, but it's just the, it's the conclusiveness of what they've done, the evidence of what they've done, and their actions afterwards. And quite Absolutely. frankly, I don't think they deserve a second chance after this. No. Do, you, do you agree with that, Tim? I mean, is this is there no way for them back? Again, repeat offenders. Uh, the first time around wasn't as bad as the as the second time around, from what we've heard, although we probably don't know the full extent of what happened that night in Monaco either. Um, do you think there is no other way for them to basically be kicked out of the game altogether? Well, I hope I hope they don't get the second chance because that was their second chance and um, it's not the, the first time uh, then something like this happened. This is the most serious one and that's why it got so much 
media coverage and just 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 really the 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 what happened uh, but I really hope so not. Um, the, the issue is that um, a couple of uh, sports lawyers spoke and they said that uh, those are top players and in Russian Premier League and they have very strong contracts. It's pretty much very, very hard for them to break contract. In, to, be, to be quite honest, like in terms of you know, like just relationship between a player and a club, they didn't do anything wrong because they were on holidays. And um, in terms of contract, the way the contracts are set up, the contract can only be broken if, for example, they don't show up to trainings or they do something in terms of their employment for the club. This is was done something mm. outside of club. And, of course, they can find them. They can send to the youth team. But in terms of breaking up the contract, it's very, very hard, I, just uh, uh, purely from the, from the sporting law point of view. Uh, so I'm not sure how the clubs will handle this because Krasnodar already sent their contract to the Russian FA with Mamaev to be in, uh, discontinued or terminated. But to be quite honest, I just don't have enough knowledge to say how they can do it because from what I understand, the contract really, really protects those players. And one thing I really wanted to say, which is, which is kind of the most, what people like in professional football in Russia are, mm, upset the most of course that behavior is disgusting but um we all remember that after the uh, 2016 um russia exit from europe uh, they were again the reason why uh, russian people as a nation turned against uh, the russian football team because we we were out of the euro and those two went home to monaco and spent two hundred and fifty thousand dollars partying after you know a few days after the russia left the euro and the whole country was really upset with the performance if you remember that loss against the wales game which was yeah. very very poor they celebrated like nothing happened and they showed this and uh, it, it it was very very low taste um after that the whole country was against the the, the national team because we we are supporting you we love you but you lose and then you party like nothing happened. This is this is not proper behavior. This is not professional. Uh, Stanislav Chechesov, when he was hired, he says, and uh, Mutko, who is the, the you know the, the decision maker in in terms of um, picking the coach at that moment, they said the first goal is uh, in terms of preparation for the Russian World Cup is to have the fans back on our side. And it was so much done in that sense because really uh, the atmosphere around the national team in the beginning of Cherchesov's career was very... Disc- it, it wasn't pleasant because people hated the, the national team. It's so much work was done about turning that around. The great World Cup, the w- wonderful Russian performance at the World Cup. And... It it it's it got so much better. People are excited. The you know the way Zuba is now treated in Russia is like a superstar. It, so much work was done in those two years to put to put fans back on. And uh, funnily enough, and it's just really crazy that uh, Stanislav Cherchesov the night before, uh, when those idiots were on train, he went to the biggest talk show in Russia. It's the interview with Vladimir Posner, and he spoke about it in details that how much work was done in terms of uh, the team, in terms of the players, in terms of the whole affair, working on getting the fa- fans back on. He says, we're working on it. The work is not done, but we definitely see the progress. And the 24, what 24, 12 hours later, this news breaks down around the whole country and the people again are talking about how footballers are getting overpaid. They, they, they don't know their board they and again all the work which was done for the whole football in Russia 
was pretty much crossed off by this disgusting behavior. Again, it's 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 all over the place. Um, people hating on footballers again that they're getting overpaid, and pretty much the work of two years is by by one night out by those two idiots is pretty much done. And this is the the, the most disgusting thing in my opinion because that's um, it's I, I'm very upset about this. Andrew, I know you have to run, but maybe your last thoughts. How is this going to impact uh, Sinead and Krasunda going forward? Well, I think they're just going to have to move on as quickly as they can. It's not going to end up in a conciliatory manner. There's just there's no way that they could reintegrate them into the squad now. Um, and like Tim says, I 100% agree with the frustration over how this has ruined the good work that a lot has a lot of work has been put into to re-engage the fans because that's one of the biggest problems with Russian sport so to bring them back in it, it just won't work so I think honestly the best thing the person and Zadie can do is distance themselves as much as they possibly can from the two players and say look I'm sorry but this is too much we can't we can't offer you anything now so you have to go I don't think they're likely to to stay around too long I think it will yeah. be a, a difficult legal battle to cancel the contract like Tim mm. mentions but they, they're going to realize, look, I mean, even just picking up their salary, even they won't want to be persona non grata like this at clubs where they have made such an impact. So realistically, move on as quickly as they can. Yeah, I think you're quite right. Andrew, uh, thanks so much for jumping on today. I know you you have to run and uh, cover a very important match. Uh, I wish you all the best for that. Um, where can people find you? Uh, well, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Andrew M-I-J Flint. I'll be doing updates during the game, but when people listen to this, that will be fairly pointless because it will have finished. Um, but I will be doing updates and previews and a match report of this game that will go up on footballgrad.com very shortly. Excellent stuff. Well, Andrew, we'll chat to you very soon. Yes, guys. Bye-bye. Andrew. Yeah, so, Tim, that's... Uh... That's some crazy stuff. So I think we have to move on and talk about some sporting stuff because we talked about Krasnodar. They're only six points behind um, Zenit. You have already mentioned how tight the league is. Rostov, Spartak, Rubin, CSKA, Loko Moscow. All of those teams are all within four points of Krasnodar. Um, yes, it's 10 points between Loko and Zenit, but we've seen last year how, how quick things can go. Um, it's exciting how tight things are, right? Exactly, and we see and we see some new and some old familiar uh, names. For example, Rubin Kazan is being fifth. Uh, they didn't have um, very successful um, years for a couple of seasons, but it seems like they're doing better. Rostov is the team which we already talked a couple of times this season. Still in the third place, still in that Champions League with uh, Valery Karpin at the help at the helm. Uh, Spartak finally won a game, and uh, we are again on the same points as Rostov and. Uh, we're in the fourth place. Uh, this guy, as we said, impressed um, numerously with again the game, game against Real Madrid. They lost to Lokomotiv Moscow, who are also c catching up the champions of last season. Um, like you said, uh, six teams within four points, and this is just starting. This is only a third of the league, so it's going to be a very interesting league again. Yeah, of course, Loco finally won a very big game. They beat CSKA Moscow on the weekend, right? I guess yeah. that's not really what we expected, but it kind of shows too how tight this league is. Um, Spartak, you guys lost the top match last week against Rostov. This is a game that we previewed, but then you beat Yenisei 3 2. It's, it just shows that right now there's a lot of parody, um, in terms of, of the league. And we haven't even met, touched on Orenburg. I mean, Orenburg beat Rostov 
after Orosto yeah. beat Spartak. Um, it's it's really fascinating when you when you look at the standings and um, you see all these teams because um, Rostov are just below Mos Lokomotiv Moscow. Uh, sorry, Orenburg are just below Lokomotiv Moscow at the moment. It's um, yeah, it's it's really interesting looking at the table, and I guess Zenit are, are kind of looking like a team that's going to walk away with it. But behind that, it's pretty much a free fall. Yeah, it is, and I still hope. Again, I'm biased, but I still hope that Zenit doesn't walk away, and they will have a league um, going forward. And uh, there are a few signs, uh, obviously, that not uh, that lost against Anji, um, uh, the not very impressive game against Slavia Prague, and this conflict. We don't know how yeah. this whole story will affect Zenit. And l last year, I remember, happened the, pretty much the same thing. Yeah. They were they were running away with the league. Then they, I think they went away to Mahachkala and they played 2-2. And after that, they had a very tough period of games and they were, they didn't win and they lost all this, um, the points which they had ahead of, um, Lokomotiv and Spartak. And, uh, so this might happen again. So I'm, I'm, I'm not even convinced again, especially what happened, um, two days ago, how that will affect Zenit. And maybe we will even have not only the, the race for the Champions League, but also for the, for the mm -hmm. league. Yeah, it goes quick. I mean, we're 10 matches in, but I mean, you're quite right. Last year, we had very much the same scenario. Everything is still possible. Um, you mentioned the Champions League CSKA against Real. We have to mention that game. Uh, I know Andrew, he was at the game. Unfortunately, he had to run to watch CSKA against in a very different setting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> very different setting indeed. Um, insanity. I mean, that's the only way we can describe it. I don't think anyone on this podcast expected CSGA to win that game, let alone get a point, right, Tim? Yeah, and especially, you know, what, what surprised me the most, that CSGA pretty much score, scored on the first minute. Yeah. Uh, and how they handled Real Madrid for the rest of the game. You know, okay, you can score a goal against Real Madrid, that happens. But, you know, defending for the rest of the match and still get the 1-0 and get the three points, this is very impressive. And again, we need to remember, this is not CSKA, the side which, uh, you know, with all the experienced players who, who mm -hmm. played those games before. Those are youngsters. Most of them played uh, first to second game in Champions League in their career and playing against Real Madrid. Uh, yeah, that's that's very impressive result. Yeah, they have a good record against Spanish sides still, Tim. Um, I remember I wrote the, one of my first articles I ever wrote for footballgrad.com is called The Soldier's Tango. And it's about when in 1990, I think it was 1991, 1992 Champions League season, they beat Barcelona to reach the group stage. Um, mm -hmm. so they, they have a history of this. Um, for some odd reason, they really like playing against Spanish sides. And then of course, that's, <laughs> they played this game at the Lushniki. And there's going, there was a lot of players in that Real Madrid side that probably remember losing to, uh, Russia. And, yeah. And penalties, <laughs> right? So maybe it's the stadium. <laughs> yeah. Well, because Real Madrid also lost to Spartak at the stadium. Uh, yeah. It was, that's about, right. What, 20 years ago, but in Champions League 2-1. Um, uh, yeah, I recently watched the highlights of this game and again, the full stadium, similar, um, oh, no, well, the pitch wasn't as, as good, but the weather conditions were kind of like an autumn fall, um, game and Spartak won. So yes, Real Madrid is not having a great time in Luzhniki. <laughs> no, I, I think it's always tough to travel to Russia. Um, just in general, I think a lot of people underestimate the, the time that it takes to get there because Spartak did really well last season against Liverpool, if you remember that, right? So I think it's just not easy for teams to come to to Russia. In Sevilla, remember five yeah. one. Yeah, exactly. So it's just a, it's a difficult place to go to. 
I think that's something that people underestimate a little bit. I mean, I watched the, and that this is to touch briefly on the next game before we go to our last big topic is the, the locomotive against Schalke game. And Schalke, um, yes, there's, I mean, my prediction over on the, uh, the game compressing podcast was that this was going to be a low scoring ma- match because Schalke and Loco play very similar very defensively, but Schalke did not have an easy time against Locomotive Moscow either, and that game only ended 1-0 after Weston McKinney scored very late. It's it's not easy to play in Moscow. Um I think that is that's very that very pretty much sums it up. Going all the way from Western Europe to, to Russia um can be very tough. So I think I mean for CSKA this is a remarkable result. Um for Locomotive of course it's a bit disappointing because they were probably hoping to get a bit more out of this um, but yeah, I think, um, I think that's something that uh, the, the other teams, the people that are listening to this podcast and they're thinking, oh, my team still has to go to Mo- Moscow. I think that's something that they really have to consider, right, Tim? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so actually Spartak played against a Spanish team again. Yeah. And, that's uh, right. Uh, and, uh, Villarreal only got saved the game with a, uh, last minute penalty. Yeah. Uh, again, the game the game finished three three. Again, Spartak almost won. So again, not an easy game for for a Spanish side in in Russia. So yeah, I'm not sure. If, I think and Sevilla, Krasnodar again. So yeah, so Spanish side are not having a good time in Russia so far. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, I want to touch one thing on CSKA, and this kind of ties in because Russia are playing um the two UEFA Nations Leagues games, and the reason why I'm mentioning CSKA uh, before. We probably thought about 24 hours ago that our biggest topic on this podcast would be Igor Akinfeev retiring. Thank you, Kokora and Mama, if you overshadowed that one as well. Um, <laughs> 111 national team games for Igor Akinfeev. Um, a career stretching back, a national team career stretching back all the way to 2005. Um, he's retired now. He's only 32, um, which is pretty young for a keeper. But Tim, um, a lot of Russians were hoping that he would retire after the Comfort Cup because he got a lot of blame, got put a lot of blame on him. And then he played a really good World Cup last, last year, uh, this year, this summer. Um, did he choose the right moment to retire because everyone will remember him on, on that World Cup performance rather than the Comfort Cup performance? I think so. I think so, man. I think, uh, he, he went, uh, he left on a high. On a high note, and I think it's 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 the right decision uh, for him. Uh, his um, explanation was that he he had two big um, ACL um, injuries on his knee, mm. and he says that with, with the age and with the number of games, it takes him longer to recover. And he says that he you know he needs more time to recover, and he probably would have to use those national team breaks uh, to take care of his knee because his knee is. Um, you know, not let, like, letting him to play out at hundred percent, and he needs way more time to uh, for for the recovery. Uh, he also, I think, he also p- picked the right moment that really he is living on on after a very successful World Cup, and I think that's you know the decision. Maybe it might be not um, make uh, fans of Russia, national Russia team happy, but I think it's a wise decision if, especially if he wants to extend his career, he's a true TSKA um, a, a fan. He is one club man. He wants to play uh, for the club. He wants to continue his career, but at the same time, he has to take the priorities and at this point, his knee and his health in general and, and recovery time and being professional sports athlete is, is the priority right now. And he is known for being extremely, extremely professional. He is not going to be 
probably one of those um, on uh, he's not gonna go on a train and destroy the whole the whole carriage he's he's not that person he is extremely um professional that's why he was the captain of the team and um this decision i can understand it i think he is still the best goalie in, in russia and uh, now you know there's quite you know the number one goalie has to be picked it looks like it's gonna be andre lunio from zenith but again we would have to see but definitely and is still number the best goalie in russia but you know the age and the injuries made him make this decision you know i think a lot of people give akinfeev a hard time for you know the, that long period of time where he went without a clean sheet in the champions league remember then he finally he finally managed a clean sheet last year and a lot of people gave him a hard time but igor akinfeev actually leads the left yashin club um left yashin club is the keepers that have managed over 100 clean sheets in their career for for both in the national team, but also for the club team, right? Um, he had, in 111 games, he managed 44 clean sheets for the national team. Um, he managed 154 clean sheets playing for CSKA in the Russian Premier League. And he managed 28 uh, clean sheets internationally and for in club competitions. That's impressive. 245 clean sheets overall. That's um, more clean sheets than Rinat Dazayev. Spartak Moscow, former Spartak Moscow keeper, who you know very well, right, Tim? Mm-hmm. I mean, um, I think people sometimes, sometimes don't give Akinfeev enough credit, I feel, for what he's achieved. Uh, yeah, and I think I'll partly also blame it on, uh, on two things. Uh, the first thing is because he made a couple of big errors in, in the World Cup, uh, that error against uh, South Korea, which costed Russia uh, three points. That's the first one. And second, the fact that he plays for CSKA, and obviously uh, some Spartak fans don't like him, and they kind of mm. uh, celebrate that uh, that negative atmosphere, especially when he was not getting clean sheets in the Champions League. I, being Spartak Moscow fan, and you know, obviously we have the rivalry with CSKA, but I still have a lot of respect for uh, for Akinfeev, and I never really understood that... Um, almost hatred towards towards him because he is an extreme professional but uh, that that happens so i think that kind of you know big mistakes and big matches and you know being rival of uh, the the biggest club in russia that kind of adds adds up to it uh, but i still i think you 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 said it uh, there are three the most legendary keepers in in russian football it's lev yashin uh, rinat dasayev and now um, akinfeev it just shows Purely from the numbers and from their from their history, from their playing careers, I think he he probably will join after he finished the career. Those two, the two legends of Russian goalkeeping, and I think it will be fair enough. Yeah, I agree with that too. Now, real quickly, Tim, expectations for Russia um, without Akinfeev playing Sweden in Kaliningrad and then playing Turkey, two wins, and they are basically in the playoffs for the UEFA Nations League, which of course is, would be big, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Again, going back to a little bit what uh, I'm, I hope that uh, that story with um, my wife component doesn't really affect the the attendance and the whole mood around those two games because those two games are very, very important. Uh, hard to hard to say because um, again because of this Russia side, for example, I didn't really expect them to do so well in the two previous games, yeah. uh, especially against Czech Republic. I obviously hope again as a Russia fan, I hope. Um, maybe for a win and a tie 
mm. um, because yeah, but uh, it, it I don't think it will be easy games, uh, and especially again with the Zuba will be now the captain of the team, so it's you know, a little bit different roles in the in the dressing room, and um, you know um, Golovin is not having a great time with his uh, club in in Monaco, so. Um, it's uh, we we again we have to see and I really hope that uh, you know they get at least three points uh, hopefully hopefully both uh, both six points so yeah I'll be supporting I'll be watching both games and I'm very excited and I hope that that negativity which was in around the football in general for the past two days won't affect uh, the uh, the performance of the national team. Perhaps just like my minor last thoughts before we wrap this up against Sweden and Kaliningrad. Kaliningrad was a sort of like the home base for the, the Swedes, uh, during the mm. World, World Cup, right? And, uh, if you went to the World Cup as a Swede, you could still go to Russia because your fan ID counts as a visa for the rest of the year. So I oh. hope, yeah. So, uh, Kaliningrad, um, it's odd that they chose Kaliningrad, but maybe they did it because they knew they could sell a lot of tickets because there's direct ferries from Sweden to Kaliningrad, right? So it's going to be interesting to watch the attendance. Um, yeah, and and there is a ratio between Swedish, Swedish and Russian fan. But that's actually I think that maybe it's a good idea because you yeah. know having a lot of away fans. Um, yeah, that's again good for football. Should be a good match. Yeah, I think so too. It's it's going to be good for Kaliningrad too. I think that the national team doesn't come there very often, so I'm um, having that game take place there and sort of trying to keep pushing that post-World Cup atmosphere in a place like Kaliningrad, I think is a very good idea. But yeah, Tim, um, sadly, we're once again out of time. Where can people find mm -hmm. you? Uh, yeah, you can find me on um, on uh, Instagram at Rocket from Russia and also on my Twitter, Russian Tim 61 where you can find lots of retweets and tweets about Spartak Moscow. Yeah, excellent stuff, and I urge everyone to follow that. You can find me at Manuel Veth on Twitter, and you can find this podcast and everything else we do. We have a few previews. Uh, we have the previews on both the Russia against Sweden and the Russia against Turkey match up on footballgrad.com or will be up on footballgrad.com um, very shortly. You can find that all at footballgrad live on Twitter. And yeah, give us a rating, give us a shout out if you have any questions regarding this podcast or any other other shows that we do. If you want to have us cover a special subject, let us know. We're always we're always open for ideas. Well, guys, that's it. Until next week, dos vidanya. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.